Hi, this is Pastor Tim, and I'm always encouraged to hear what God is doing in your life. Now, if you have a story or a testimony to share regarding a miracle, please let me know at story at citylifefw.org. That's story at citylifefw.org. Hey, I'm looking forward to hearing your personal story soon. Welcome to the City Life Podcast. We're all about making Jesus known. We pray these messages will help equip you to become a follower of Jesus who is empowered to influence and shape culture. Enjoy the message. Yes. (laughs) Would you pray this prayer with me? Come on, just reach your hands up to God. Say, dear Jesus, I want everything that you have for me today. Holy Spirit, touch my heart change my life. I want to be a different person when I leave here. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. You guys have a seat. Hey, while you're sitting down, I, um, I want to issue a kind of, just kind of a, uh, a, a second challenge here to you. Actually, it was a challenge shared with you just a few moments ago regarding the Holy Spirit workshop. But, uh, how many of you have actually have been to Holy Spirit Workshop before? Lift your hands. Yeah, several of you have. If you've not been, I really want you. This, that's actually a Holy Spirit Workshop here coming up in, in uh, three weeks. It is our it, it is our major summer activity. It really is, uh, and and I want you to be here. If you've not been to Holy Spirit Workshop, I just want you to sign up. I'm going to give you a really easy way to do it. And, here's, and, I, and I want you to pay attention to me. So just grab a Connect card. Grab it and write your name, last name, and your email on there. And then write HSW. Do that now. HSW. You have to write it in. HSW that means Holy Spirit Workshop. Now, this is going to be on Saturday, the 14th of July. That's, that's uh, you know, we got two more Sundays between now and then, you know. So it's on the 14th. I didn't say on July 4th. So it's going to be just fine. I probably, you know, no, no, no. We're not going to do, see, it's going to be July 14th, 10 days after the 4th, Saturday morning. And I want you to come. Fill out a card now. Will you do that? And here's something I ask you to do. You ask you to fill it out, and right after service, hand it to me. Where am I going to be? I'm going to be right back there. I want you to find it. Get, get, come on, get your card. Get your card out. Fill it out. Hand it to me and say, Pastor, I want to be there. Because I want to walk you through this. This, is a, this will be an awesome opportunity for every single one of us just to grow deeper in the things of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. Because I was, I was filled with the Holy Spirit when I was seven years old. And it radically changed my life. I am who I am today because of the Holy Spirit. I want you to be here. I really want you to be here. I want to share my heart with you. I want to spend the morning with you, enjoy breakfast with you, and uh, and have a really fantastic time. Saturday the 14th, HSW is what you're writing on the card. Hand it to me right over there on your way out today. While you're um, getting your cards filled out. I want you to go ahead and take out something to take some notes on because I want you to write a few things down. I believe that when God's speaking, you want to uh, sometimes write some things down. If, if, if it's worth keeping in your head, you know, it's worth writing down. Uh, some of you you, you, you guys know this, you went to school or some of you were in school and if you want to remember something, you write it down. It may come, come up later. And this kind of stuff that we talk about in here comes up later, comes up this afternoon, it comes up tomorrow, it comes up later in the week. And I want you to be able to have just some of the tools that 
that God speaks to you to put into action. So write these down. And also, if you have your uh, Bibles, open them up to this, this one scripture in 2 Timothy. It's near the very back of the Bible, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. Now, I did not write 2 Timothy, although I know my name is Timothy. Timothy, uh, I, I, one time I made the joke about, about uh, I was, uh, you know, uh, that I made up something, which wasn't even in the Bible. And I said, yeah, it's found in 3 Timothy. And I'm like, oh, wow, you, you've written a book of the Bible. I was like, oh, no, that's kind of weird. No, no, no. So I don't do that joke uh, publicly very much anymore. But Second Timothy, it was written to a pastor by the name of Timothy. And uh, we're going to take a look at that in just a few minutes. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. One, one of it's actually one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. Today I'm talking about rules, 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 rules. And there are some good and healthy rules that are out there. There are. And, and we want those rules. We, we need those rules. Um, you know, out where my parents live, um, way out on, uh, in West Texas on Interstate 20 and even on Highway 130 uh, east of Austin, there's a, there's a rule that is publicly posted. In, in Texas, this, this is a very important rule that's publicly posted. And, I'll, and actually, I call this a healthy rule. This is a good rule. Well, what's the rule? It's 85 mile per hour speed limits. Oh, I'm just telling you guys, I like that rule. I, 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 I like it. I and and I, and I like it so much better than the, than like the ones around here that say like 65 miles per hour. And, you know, I, I like it so much better. I mean, it's, there's, there's nothing like getting on the Texas Autobahn. I mean, personally, anyone, you know, who just really enjoys driving a car, which happens to be me, uh, I, I love that rule. Um, but, but here's, here's the truth. I noticed that when I'm driving on one of these two roads in Texas that has this special rule that um, I like to get right up there and, and, and enjoy the rule and, and even set my cruise at that rule, but then people start passing me. And, and so like, they're, they're passing me. And earlier this week when I was, uh, I, I found myself around Austin and I was the slowest vehicle on the Texas Autobahn, the slowest. Now, I have driven on a real Autobahn in Germany, and I'll just tell you this much. You know, you, when, when you're the slowest vehicle, which means you're driving like, what, maybe about 90 miles per hour, you had better stay over in that right lane because someone is going to come flying past you about 140, 150, 160, and that will happen, and that has happened to me. That's scary. But, but I just thought, you know what? I'm going to stay. I, I, I'm driving along, and I'm in my right lane, and people keep passing me and passing me and passing me. Trucks are passing me. Everybody's passing me. And so I just thought, well, you know, I don't want to be an impediment to the moving of traffic. I, I, I don't want to, to cause, you know, I, I don't want to be dangerous out here. So what do I do? Well, I did the unthinkable and I broke the rule. Was it right to break the rule? No, um, actually not at all. It, it wasn't. And so, but uh, Rebecca was with me in the car and, and, and she was asleep. So I just, I just, I broke, but then I, I slowed back down. I knew I would have been called on it if she was awake, but I slowed back down to 85, and, and then when I slowed back down to 85, I thought, man, you know, again, you just feel like you can just get outside and jog faster than what I'm driving right now. Uh, but, uh, but really, in all honesty, that's a rule that I like, and, and, and it's, it's a healthy rule. It's a good rule, and, and I don't think it should be broken. I'd say it's very unwise to break that rule. Wouldn't you agree? But there are also what I would call unnecessary or senseless rules around us. Now, I'm not really talking about laws, but I'm talking about rules that we just kind of accept quite often. 
they might not even be written down, but they're just, they're, they're, they're part of the culture. They're just unspoken rules. You guys know what I'm talking about? They're rules that, that impo- they're imposed by the culture, and, and quite often they can actually be detrimental. And these are rules that uh, I, I believe should actually be broken. Uh, they're not speed limits, but what I would call them are life limits, life limiting rules. It's an attempt to put a lid on your life, not necessarily intentionally, and it's not even really out of malice. It's just a bad rule. And these are rules that, that really kind of move you into this state of some kind of like pseudo tranquility. It's like, oh, I'm okay because I'm obeying these weird rules. Now, I'm addressing these during this series, and I'm encouraging you to revolt against these man-made rules that I'm going to be sharing with you, and to, because honestly, what I believe they do is they suppress and they destroy the vitality of your life, your relationships with other people, and your relationship with God. And even Jesus himself, he adamantly opposed what I call add-on rules. And, and, and far too often, we embrace, we, we even create and embrace our own add-on rules without even realizing it. So sometimes we just need to be jolted. We just need to be shaken up a little bit. See, I, I grew up in church. Any of you guys just grow up in church? Like church was kind of your life? Yeah, a few of you guys. Uh, you know, I grew up in church, and I, I have seen, those of you who grew up in church, maybe you have seen plenty of add-on rules. Any of you guys see that? Well, I've been around for a long time, longer time than most of you guys, and, and uh, some of these rules, they, they were practiced, and they were, like, enforced in church, and it, it was kind of strange, um, and as a kid, you just kind of accept it, but then you get a little older, and you're going, now, what, 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 what are we doing here? Uh, and, and maybe they didn't even really come from the preacher. They were just part of the culture of, of church. And, and these man-made add-on rules that I saw were like, there, was a, there were appropriate ways to wear your hair. And if you didn't have your hair a certain way, it's like you shouldn't be in church. And, and uh, even, even certain clothing styles. And I'm not talking about anything that's, that's, that's too revealing or something like that. I'm just talking about styles. Like, well, you can't wear that kind of, that's not good church clothes. Yeah. Hey, have you ever heard, heard the terminology church clothes? Well, I, well, we grew up with church clothes and those are the clothes you wore to church. The other, you wouldn't even dream of wearing to church. Uh, music styles, only certain styles were good. And, uh, and, and then there were the, the, you know, another thing that I remember was like expressions or styles of worship. Like, well, this is a good style over expression of worship. This is not. And we're going to argue about that. Or another one's like tattoos and body, body piercings. Like, I go, well, this is bad. So we got to be careful of that. And, and uh, it's like, like, I remember one time, this is really, really funny. But that one jolted me <laughs> at a time when my mother, my, my, my dad was, was moving into a new church and, and my mother was concerned because the people in that church didn't like pierced ears. I'm, I'm totally serious. And she was wondering, she was like, am I, am I going to have to get a skin graft over my ears to, to be able for us to go there? I, I just thought, okay, that's, that's weird. I remember being 10 years old hearing that thinking, okay, there are some things that just ought not be, right? Now, even political views saying, well, there's only one Christian political view or, or, or attitudes about material wealth. And really the list can go on and on. They're a bunch of senseless add-on rules that, in my opinion, are really destructive to God's work. These add-on rules, they're corrosive, and uh, they're kind of like acid to like a plastic container. So today we're going to destroy another rule. So I'd like my handy rule book carrier to please come on up here. I would like for you guys to welcome Mr. Jim. Would you welcome him, please? Yes, yes. 
And you've been perusing through the rule book, isn't that correct? Uh, a little bit. Do you love, don't you just love this rule book? That's right. Yeah, I did. <laughs> did your mom make you memorize it? Mm-mm. Your dad? Mm-mm. I know who it was. It was Hope, right? Probably. Yeah, because she's not here in church today because she's out like on her honeymoon or doing something else with her new husband, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so here's the rule book. And today, as we open up the rule book, we come to this beautiful rule called Never Risk. Never risk. Are you asking me never risk or are you saying it never risk? Maybe both. Maybe both. Okay. Well, here's what I'd like for you to do. I'd like for you to do something you always wanted to do. I I would love for you just to be bold and have a good time with this and just say, I am not going to go for this and tear it. Not not only tear it out, but tear it up. I want you to feel good about it. And we're going to cheer Jim on to tear up his never risk rule. Come on, come on, go, 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 go. Don't you just feel good? Yeah, a little bit. Let's see, I knew you would. <laughs> Take the rule book back, all right? All right, read the other rules for next week or something like that. Well, you know what? Never risk is the rule that I'm challenging you to break today. Now, when I was, a, when I was in college in the 80s, I took a fun, and yet it was a very small risk, but I took a fun risk when I was attending Southwestern Assemblies of God University in Waxahachie, Texas. It was on a Monday. Oh, we got some fans in here. So, so uh, was it, a, it was a Monday morning, Monday morning chapel. And I was a junior class president. And so myself, along with the other class presidents, we had the responsibility to create and execute what we call Monday morning student-led chapels. And so we did this. We, we just came up with our own deal. We came up with the entire uh, agenda and uh, and. We did the whole chapel service, and I'm going to be honest with you, it was one of the best leadership experiences I had, was putting those together with my friends uh, when, I was, when I was in student government. Well, it, w- it was December. It was, the, uh, it was right, right about the last week of school before finals and everything, and, and Christmas break was coming up real soon, so we wanted to do a chapel that talked about the history of Christmas. Well, of course, you put a bunch of students in charge of something like that, and you know, we don't want it to be dry and dull. We want to have a little fun with it, so we, added, we decided to add a little bit of of spice to it. We needed someone to get into a full Santa costume, Santa Claus costume with a beard and all to come out and be a part of this chapel. Well, the the, the character was going to appear as St. Nicholas, and he was going to come up there and talk about how how he served the poor and how he provided extra ministry to children around the season of Christmas. And as we were sitting around the table that day, guess who got chosen to do it? Yes, I'll never forget. The, 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 it was being discussed, and then someone said, well, I know where our costume is. Well, who can we get to wear it? And no kidding, every eye around that table just went to me. They, they just looked at me, and, I'm, and, and I remember someone saying, well, Tim, Tim will do it. He's not afraid of what anyone thinks. I'm like, oh, great, oh, great. Um, now, see, what, what many of you don't know, maybe a few know, but many of you don't know is that at that time in the 1980s, there was a Christian add-on rule. <laughs> Can you believe it? The Christian add-on rule was basically this, is Santa is of the devil. Yes, do you remember that? I, I even heard this, is that, that S-A-N-T-A, if you, if you change a couple letters, it says, Satan. 
I was fully aware of that element of, of Christian culture. I was fully aware of that add-on rule. I was fully aware it was an add-on rule. And so I thought, well, today's a day to do some rule breaking. And so I thought, you know, it's worth the risk. And so, I, but, but here's what I thought. You know, I, I have the beard on and I can disguise my voice and I can come out there and disguise my body shape and, and, and my identity won't be revealed. And the truth is, it was great because the moment I arrived at the chapel service, I went backstage and I put on the costume and I walked out onto the platform. Now you can imagine there's a place full of students and full of faculty and staff and and Monday morning chapels were always the largest attended because they were the student-led chapels. We wanted to see what the students were up to, what we were going to put on next. And I walked out there, quiet. You could, I mean, you could feel the ice in the room, and it was not Christmas ice. And I, I was like, ho, 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 good morning. My name is St. Nicholas, and I am a staunch supporter of Orthodox Christianity. Ho, 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 I've always believed in practicing the love of Jesus, especially during the Christmas season. And I went in and I read the entire statement that I had prepared with my fake voice. And, and I, I used these, these, these St. Nicholas gestures that I thought were going to work out great. After my speech, you, you would expect maybe applause. No, silence. Even my student leadership team on the platform right behind me didn't even clap. I didn't need the applause, but I thought, uh-oh, I broke a rule. And so I walked off the stage and it did as I had planned, changed back into my clothes, went around the back door, came into the back of the chapel and sat in chapel for the rest of the chapel. And just, just like, you know, no big deal. People saw me back there. They never saw me on the platform. And so it worked. It worked. And, and here was the buzz. Like, who is the guy in the Santa Claus costume? Student leadership was, were had sworn secrecy, so we weren't going to tell. And people were thinking that it was somebody who had come in from the outside who had done this. And it was like a professional Santa Claus that they had hired or something to come in and do this. And this, I mean, this, the rumors are going all over the place. I was loving it. Like, yes, yes. I, I, well, there was one professor who loved add-on rules. He went to the administration. He goes, I want to know who that student was. And I was exposed by that professor in one of his classes. And then the next day, sitting at lunch, a rule-loving person came to me angry and said, you desecrated the chapel. <laughs> and I just, I thought, well, I just thought, well, that's, that's funny. I just, I said, well, St. Nicholas wouldn't be very proud of you saying that, you know, and so I just ignored it and kind of went on and just, just laughed about it. But, but it was one of those tense moments. But for me, it was a risk worth taking. I thought, you know what, this is a worthwhile risk. I'm not, not desecrating anything. And even though I, you know, get, you get accused of something, it's just like, this is okay. And here's, here was my favorite. One of my yearbook friends who's in, worked in the yearbook made sure that my Santa picture was actually in the yearbook at the very end. Yeah, so it was nice because you know, when you're signing yearbooks, you're going, oh, sign Tim Woody, right? Yeah, yes, that was me. But you know what? I'm telling you, there are much bigger risks that we're supposed to be taking. And, and here's what I believe. I believe this is without risk, you'll never experience real life. I'll say it again. Without risk, you'll never experience real 
life. And I'm challenging you guys today to escape the dull life, flee emptiness, get away from the death trap that, that, that you're walking in toward, destroy defeat in your life and break through to this whole new level of possibility in your world. You see, there's this thought and there's this concept, there's this idea out there and it's in the culture that, that if you make a decision to passionately follow Jesus, that, that you're going to be like sedated and, and tamed. Uh, it's like the, like it's Christianity is some kind of a, a trap that's waiting for you, wanting to capture you and make you into some type of a lesser version of yourself. Well, that's not the case because Jesus was a man who could not be tamed. See, Jesus refused to be tamed. He never played it safe, and he pushed back on the attempts of others to domesticate and control him. He didn't dress up like Santa Claus, I don't think, but still, he hadn't come around yet, I guess. But still, Jesus was not a play-it-safe kind of person. We're called to mimic our lives after him. I think if, if you think Jesus was actually calling you to be a Christian so you could play it safe with your life, I believe you're mistaken. If you think that God wants you just to kick back and, and allow yourself to become domesticated and chill and become churchy, then you're wrong. Because one of the big things that Jesus did when he walked around on this earth was to expose and to break add-on rules. Read it in the New Testament. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. That's what he does. He broke the add-on rules of society, but especially of the religion of his time. See, see Jesus, and, and think about this, Jesus did not lead a revolution against these add-on rules so that we could just simply roll over, acquiesce to whatever's going on around us, and allow our lives to become stale and bland. I don't want to do that. In fact, here's a statement that's made in Luke 19. It says, risk your life. Jesus said this, risk your life and you'll get more than you ever dreamed of. Play it safe, and you'll end up holding the bag. See, I, I want us to break that rule of never risk. Another way of stating this rule is like, well, let's just play it safe. Let's do nothing. But here's the truth. Risk equals spiritual reward. And I'm going to show that to you in the scriptures. Because playing it safe all the time with no risk at all basically means there's not going to be any reward for you. There is no reward for a person who, who fails to risk. There's no reward for a person who simply plays it safe. Now I want to read to you a story, and, and uh, it's found in Luke 19, but I'm going to read it from the message version of the Bible, and, and I'd like for you to follow along on the screens before we get to the regular scripture that I'd like for us to look at. But we'll take a look at this. This is, this is a story Jesus told. He said, there was once a man descended from a royal house who needed to make a long trip back to headquarters to get authorization for his rule, and then return. So what was happening here is, is there was this guy who was getting ready to leave and he was going away for a long time. It would have been, been years, a journey that, that he, he was going to take. And, uh, and he had to get some authorization from his, his leader, probably the king or the Caesar or whatever to come back and continue his rule. And, and so, so he, you know, he was getting ready to make this, this trip. So what he did is it says he first, but first he called 10 servants together, gave them each a sum of money and instructed them operate with this until I return. So he took his money and he distributed it to these various servants. So 10 different servants, they had all, they had his money holding, they're all holding on to it. Um, and I want you to take care of this. He said, operate with this, operate. Okay. Operate. That means function, use it. It means spend it, but just operate with this. Keep the business going, in other words. 
Now, moving on, the citizens there hated him. So this was a town where, like, the, the citizens of the city didn't like him at all. Uh, in other words, we would just say he was a, an unpopular political leader. That's really basically what he was. Uh, or maybe he was an unpopular uh, business leader, but people didn't like him there. And, um, and, and it says that, so they sent a commission with a signed petition to oppose his rule. They said, we don't want this man to rule us. So they were, the people of the town were rising up against him while he was gone. And then it says, when he came back, bringing the authorization of his rule, he called those 10 servants to whom he had given the money to find out how they had done. Now take a look at this. Why is that other part in there about, about the people didn't like him, whatever? It's because this is a parallel of Jesus and what he's done. It's because Jesus has left this earth. He's left us in charge. He's given us resources. Now the resources are not dollars per se. The resources are people. The resources are the gifts and talents that you have. The resources are the opportunities that you have to maximize everything for, that's within your power for the kingdom of God. And, 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 and in this world, there are a lot of people who don't like Jesus. You get that? You guys ever run across that? See, I do. I do. I run across that a lot. But there are a lot of people who don't, people who oppose, the, oppose God. And, and so we're in this culture where we're entrusted with the resources of God, even the Holy Spirit that lives in us, and we're supposed to do something with it in a culture that says we don't really like God. Now, that's what these 10 servants were, were doing, dealing with. Well, he comes back with authorization. Now, this is actually a parallel of when Jesus actually does return to this earth because right now it says he's away. Uh, he's building, preparing a place for us. He is going to come back, and he's going to receive us to him, and he's going to reward us, all right? So this is the parallel. So Jesus goes on to say, he brings back the authorization. He's, and, and then the next one says, the first said, Master, I doubled your money. And, and he said, good work, great work, because you've been trustworthy in this small job. I'm going, I, I'm making you a governor of 10 towns. Whoa, pretty amazing. So this guy gets this huge governorship based upon the way he stewarded what was given to him because he risked, he did something with it in a culture that says, don't risk, we don't like God at all. Now, the second said this, says, Master, I, I made a 50% profit off of your money. And he goes, great, that is awesome. I can put you in charge of five towns. Now, who wouldn't want that? That's so amazing. 50% profit, he gets five towns. Uh, so, so the next servant, so we're now to the third one. He says, Master, here's your money. It's safe and sound. I, 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 I know he was stuttering. That's why I'm doing that. But it's, it fails to go into the translation. I, 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 I kept it hidden in the cellar. And to tell you the truth, I, I, was, I, was just a, I, was, I was a little, I was a little afraid, a little afraid. And I know you have high standards and I know you hate sloppiness and I know you don't suffer fools gladly. Uh, and, and then he interrupts. He says, you're right that I don't suffer fools gladly. I'm not quite sure what that means, but, and you have acted like a fool. Why didn't you at least invest the money into security so that I would have gotten a little interest on it? Then he said to those standing there, take the money from him and give it to the servant who doubled my stake. Okay, so that was the guy who got the 10 towns, all right? And then the people started arguing, wait, wait a minute, that's not fair. Come on, wait, that's not fair. Why are you doing that? He already has doubled. You've given him more. That's not fair. That's not right. The master says, well, that's what I mean. Listen to it. Here it is. Jesus said these words, risk your life 
and get more than you've ever dreamed of. Play it safe and end up holding the bag. Jesus equates this to him. And this is something that I believe not only in this life, but at the very end of time, this, we will see something like this. Jesus gave several other illustrations very similar to this as well. This should just be fi- put fire in your bones and help you be really excited about doing God's work because it does that to me. What's being said here? It's really this. It's without risk. You never really experience real life. And, and that, that's, see, that's what I want for you. I want you to experience real life. That's why I'm a pastor. I, I, I want to dare to throw my whole life and everything that I have into building a dream for a local church and that it really actually comes from the heart of God. I want to get out there so far that without God's help, there is no hope for Tim. Yeah. A lot of people don't think that way. And usually I'll say, well, I respect that, but I don't respect that. I have no respect for that. Because it's, it's a fear of failure that gets a hold of every one of us. But I'll also tell you, I've dealt with it many, many times as well, just like you. See, fear of failure is dangerous. Fear of failure is, is crippling. Fear of failure causes you to basically live by this life motto of, well, I'll never risk. And if you let the fear of failure dominate you like the guy in the story did, then it will cause you to do one thing. This one thing that will inevitably guarantee your failure, and that is you will not attempt anything at all. How do you counteract that fear of failure? I'm going to tell you how. It's by turning up your hope. It's by getting alone with God and, and, and listening to God, reading God's word and making it personal for you, engaging in life-giving worship, uh, just living with generosity toward God's work and surrounding yourself with other faith-filled, risk-taking people and to be full of God's Holy Spirit and to pray really, really, really big prayers, refusing to give up until you see the answers. And, and then... You begin to move even out of your place, and on Sundays you worship God with the whole heart. And when there's prayer opened up over here, it's like, yes, I'm going to go over there and receive prayer because, because I want more prayer going toward these prayers I'm already praying. I know you might say, yeah, Pastor, but I'm timid. I can't do any of that. And I'll respond back to you and say, well, I'm Tim. And, uh, and I'll ask you, have you, are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Have you received Christ into your life? And you answer yes, then I'm going to say, I have a scripture for you. And it's in your Bibles. I had you turn to it. It's in 2 Tim, Tim 1.7. I know it's Timothy, but I'll just call it Tim right now. 2 Timothy 1.7. And here it is. The spirit God gave us does not make us what? Timid. The spirit God gives us does not make us timid, but it gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Can anyone agree with me on that? See, timidity doesn't come from God. Fear of failure doesn't come from God. You have power. You have love. You have self-discipline because God, the Holy Spirit, lives in you. And the more of that Holy Spirit you have in you, the greater works you'll be able to do. You can be bold as a lion. And wherever you walk, God walks. Yeah. Yeah. I'm challenging you to risk and to go deep with Jesus in spite of how religion has failed you. Religion fails. Jesus doesn't fail. So many of you city lifers who are sitting here right now, many of you have, you abandoned church at one point only to rediscover city life. But what you really abandoned was not church. You abandoned religion because religion kills. Yeah, church isn't perfect, of course, because you go here. But (laughs) no church is perfect. But Jesus is. And Jesus brings life. And I will always preach and point you to Jesus because he restores life to whoever is willing to take a faith risk and to step out boldly. Once you take a look at Sarah's story from City Life.
My name is Sarah Giat. Um, my husband and I moved downtown May of 2017. My parents divorced when I was, I guess, about six months old. Um, you know, grew up with a stepfather, a stepfamily, and it was interesting. Um, when you grow up in a home that's, that's so broken and so corrosive, but also so, I don't want to say church-centered, um, but religious. It was very religious. We, we grew up in ministry, and so we would, we would go on Sunday morning and serve in the children's church, and then we would come home Sunday, Sunday afternoon and, and get screamed at. Or, you know, um, my, my, my mom's ex-husband used to, used to wake us up in the middle of the night. Every, every 30 minutes, he'd come in the, the door and yell at us, or, um, you know, he'd throw things, or, or just like, just odd things that kept you off balance, like just the environmental things that, that kept you from thriving. He, um, he would take our lunch money, you know, and I know that sounds silly, but it's like you, you grow up and, and um, you don't eat breakfast and you don't eat lunch and it's, it's one meal a day for years and it's, you, you know, that's, there's the physical hunger, but it's also emotional, uh, spiritual, you know, just, just hungry for something other than like you see that this isn't the way that things are supposed to be. It never felt like God was a God that looked at me. He'd look at me and see my situation and either he saw it and he didn't do anything about it or he didn't see it and you don't know which is worse. I could believe that God loved people, but I couldn't believe that God loved me. You know, and I could stand in church and I could sing and I could just, God loves his church and God loves his people and I am not one of them. I don't look like these people. I don't act like these people. I don't connect to people like people do. And we went to church on Sunday and this woman that I respected and that I served with, that I was in ministry with for years, she was like, Sarah, I am praying for your mom and Bruce to get back together. I'm just praying that God would heal their marriage. And she was an authority. For someone to tell me that God's plan for me was to be in that situation where I wasn't eating and I wasn't sleeping and I lived in constant fear, I never really got over it. And so I never really trusted church. It never occurred to me to trust God after that. Sean and I work on our relationship a lot and it was a process for both of us to, I guess, trust each other enough with the desire to come back to church. I was coming off, you know, just one of the hardest months of my entire life, and I thought about ending it again. And, um, you know, I sat down to write a note. The only thing that I could write was God sustaining my voice. And that was Friday night. And Sunday night, we came to City Life Night. And um, it was awesome, because of course it was. <laughs> uh, but we went up front during the Invitational, and I just felt like maybe I could hear God's voice here. Like something in these walls canceled out all the hate and the anger that I had towards myself. And um, during the Invitational, <laughs> We went out front and um, Mike and Suzanne Roberts were sitting there since we had just met these people that night. And I'll never forget, just Mike put his hands on my shoulders and it was a fatherly gesture and, and not something that I'd ever experienced. Knowing that 
someone who was virtually a stranger, saw enough value in me to take a step and just to know that that the plan that God has for me is one of sonship. You don't have to earn your way to be a child of God. Sean and I always say, you know, everybody that we've met at City Life is exactly the same person now as they were when we met them, and that's rare. Coming to a place that just feels like home and knowing that, that God is using me to contribute to making this place a home is so powerful. It's not something I ever thought that I could do before. I, I always felt like my role in the family was to motivate, um, but I'm learning that I can encourage. You know, one of the things I really like about her story is that she was willing to take a risk and she was willing to come back to church and take another risk to walk up and receive prayer and to open up again. And there was a huge reward waiting on the other side. And really the best is still yet to come because risk equals spiritual reward. What is the risk God is calling you to take today? Is it a risk of believing in God's love and power? Is it to risk generosity, expecting and believing that God is going to come through for you? Is it a risk to start loving again even after you've been burned? Is it a risk to simply attempt to be like Jesus? To be honest with you, without risk, we, don't, we can't even have faith. You can't say you have faith if you're not willing to risk because faith is expecting and hoping for something that you can't see. I mean, you want to be healed? You take a risk. Step out and receive prayer. You really want that relationship? Take a risk. I mean, ask the girl out. (laughs) Do you really want to own your own business? Take the risk. Start praying hard. Get some advice and plan to work really, 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 really hard. You want to break out of the ordinary? Take a risk. Remember, without faith, it's not even possible to please God. You want to please God? Well, of course you do. Then you need to take the risk of acting on faith. I challenge you today, take the belief risk. I, I, I challenge you to risk believing that God is on your side and that God loves you. Take the love risk. Risk loving again. Take the generosity risk. Risk being a giver, a generous person, and watch how God will pour back into you exponentially. Take the Jesus risk. Stop, just, just stop playing it safe because faith is always a risk, but there's always a reward on the other side. Remember, Jesus said this, risk your life and get more than you've ever dreamed of. Play it safe and you're going to end up holding the bag. Here's my big question to you. If, you. if you knew you could not fail, if you knew you couldn't fail, what would you do? What would you do? Think about it. Because the answer to that is really the dreams God's already put into your heart. That's kind of where, where they're anchored. If, if you have correctly directed passions, the answer is going to be something that God's already placed in your heart. Now, most likely you probably wouldn't want to share it. You won't want to just go public on it because you might be dubbed as being prideful or arrogant or like extreme or crazy, but we already know you are. So, but the thing is, God doesn't think so. Did, did you hear me? God, 
God doesn't think so. God doesn't think so. See, when he planted that dream in your heart, just like even he planted the dream of this in my heart, the question then becomes, are you really willing to risk? So the dream that's in your heart, put there by God, will happen. No risk, no reward. And God desires you to be overflowing with the reward of life. For Jesus said this, I have come that you may have life and life to the full. Jesus risked everything so that you could have life. He risked it so that you could also be with him in eternity because he loves you. Are you willing to take a risk? Are you willing to take the risk? Because without risk, you'll never experience real life. No more hesitating. It's time to pull the trigger on that risk. What is it God's telling you to do? I want you to be introspective right now. What is the risk God's telling you to do? I'll give you about 10 seconds here. Just talk to God about it. Tell God you're ready to pull the trigger on that. Tell God you're ready to take action. Tell God you're ready to get out there and take that risk because without risk, there is no reward. Maybe you're here today also and you've never really surrendered your life to Jesus. If you want to know the Jesus that I talk about here and that we all talk about here, and if you're ready for your life to have a new beginning in Jesus, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond by lifting your hand, by simply responding, and that's actually faith. Faith is responding just by lifting your hand, saying, I have faith that something's going to change in me, knowing that Jesus died for you, and he died for you so that you can have life and so that you can have life to the full and everything can change today. If you want to know Jesus and you'd like to be included in my closing prayer to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life and to surrender your life completely to him, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand at the count of three. Will you do so? One, two, three. Lift your hand for me. Lift your hand for me. Thank you. Who else? Thank you. Who else? I want to give my life completely to Jesus today. Thank you. If you lifted your hand, I would like you, along with everyone else in this room, to please rise. Just please stand. Everyone's standing. And I want you, my faith is connected with you if you raise your hand. And I want you to pray these words with me. I want you to mean it from the bottom of your heart. Come on, pray. everyone pray with me. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin. I believe you're the Son of God. Please forgive my sins. It's time for me to live. So I give up my past and I embrace the future that you have for me, Jesus. In your name, amen. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's message. You know, City Life Church, we are all about developing followers of Jesus who influence and shape culture. And it's possible that you are even feeling a a shift that is coming in your life or possibly deep down inside you feel called to something more and city life might be a part of that future. Let me tell you, Launch Sunday is the big event that's coming up and it's happening on February 10th, 2019. And if you'd really like to be a part of what God is doing in downtown Fort Worth through City Life Church, I'm asking you to go and visit our website at citylifefw.org and click the launch button. Uh, You could also just come and visit one of our services because I I really believe the future is bright and it's limitless in potential. I want you to hear my vision. I want you to be a part of what God is doing at City Life and come and chat with me personally after one of the services.